You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. you to consider uh, what is the most generous thing that someone else has ever done for you so if I had to answer that thinking back um, I uh, I went to university in a uh, first locally where I grew up in Kansas City uh, and after a few years I transferred into a better school I kind of figured out what I wanted to do I wanted to be a computer programmer Uh, confession to y'all I'm a nerd I'm a computer scientist and uh, I wanted to, after a couple of years at a local university, I wanted to transfer into a better school that was really good at that program. So I moved to one of the best uh, uh, universities in the states, uh, in the state I grew up in, in Missouri, uh, to pursue that degree. And uh, when I moved from the local university um, to the specialized school, um, I had a pretty eye-opening experience. I was not quite ready. That first semester was extremely difficult. Um, They were focused on engineering and science, and uh, I was not ready on day one uh, for the speed and complexity of the classes uh, and the amount of dedication and work that it took um, to get through all the work. Uh, And so I was uh, at my wit's end and and, uh, not doing really well. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, I lived in uh, uh, campus housing and a couple people that I lived with, I knew well, I had actually grown up with them and went to high school with them. And one of them, his name was John, uh, actually had the same major. And he was a couple years ahead of me in school. He had been a senior when I first uh, moved down there. Uh, And uh, he volunteered, I knocked on his door and he sat down with me and spent three or four hours one night uh, I just remember this one session, this one set of homework, I just couldn't figure it out, the, the problem-solving side of it, let alone the programming side of it. And he sat down and was wise enough not to just catch the fish for me and do the homework and solve my problem, but to actually patiently walk me through the process of logically how to solve the problem and to implement the problem and the software, implement the solution and the software. So uh, he didn't catch the fish for me, but he taught me to fish. Uh, And again, it was hours of time, and it just wasn't that one session. And he finally got my brain wrapped around how to do what I needed to do to continue uh, my educational pursuits. And uh, I just think back at the generosity and and willing to sacrifice to stay up uh, and burning the midnight oil um, to help me with it. And uh, fortunately today, I finished my degree, and part of it I am indebted to him and his act of generosity. So we're going to continue our our uh, um, series this week, uh, two-part series. This is the last, um, the last lesson. It's on the path to peace. So uh, last week, uh, Richard explored what is peace. He talked about it in terms of, of being whole and our emotional and relational well-being. Uh, and I think the definition I like the most was that we having having hearts that are untroubled and unafraid. And if you think about that in terms of the last few years, going through the pandemic and uh, not letting fear uh, overcome us, but to be untroubled and be unafraid in our hearts uh, and, uh, and being whole, um, it, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture and it's in, it's in contrast to uh, the pressures and the circumstances of our world. He also talked about how our culture and faith are at odds with each other. Uh, we live in a culture um, that uh, um, tends to lead to comparison. Like we want to get ahead, not for the sake of having 
um, the, the, uh, a beautiful lawn, but our lawn to be uh, more green than our neighbors. Uh, I went on a road trip recently. I don't know what it is about our uh, the human spirit. I'd be quite contently uh, moving along on the highway. We drove 3,500 miles and drove to Michigan this summer. Uh, and I'd be quite content with my speed until someone passed me. And uh, I was no longer content with my speed. I think, I think we, I, there's so many examples of how we uh, uh, can kind of behave that way in, in our lives. Uh, he also talked about uh, living in contrast to uh, consumer culture, uh, that uh, uh, media and everything we tune into, the news and everything else, uh, there, there's advertising and pushing us to buy something and that happiness is tied to us spending and consuming. Uh, and that in our faith life, we don't have to uh, live to those cultural messages of comparison and of, of uh, being a consumer. It's really about being content that Jesus is enough in any of our circumstances, whether that's good times or bad times, and that Jesus is enough in our finances and in how we spend our money. So this week, I want to continue in looking at the path to peace and how out of being whole and being content, uh, we should live a life of generosity um, and, and what that looks like uh, and how that leads to peace. So um, I firmly believe and have fortunately experienced and seen others experience that it's just living in a life in a connection with God, if we're using our times, talents, and our resources um, to love others, um, that that um, makes a shift in our lives from a self-focus um, mentality to a focus on God uh, and others. And in that, uh, we actually become uh, free. So uh, let's talk about uh, generosity in a little more detail. So it's... it's uh, um, Charity and finances, and not that this is a, as a as a sermon focused just on finances. Generosity is is bigger than that. Again, it's it's time, talent, and resources. And uh, I wonder, you know, if when you thought about what the most generous thing that that someone ever did for you, if that really involved money, and it probably didn't, right? So we're talking a lot more um, than than money today. But but uh, some of the examples I'm going to share with uh, do think about charity from that perspective. So. Uh, this is from Matthew 6, verses 20 to 22. Um, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is really, when you talk about generosity and giving, it's really more of a concern of the heart. So um, I'm on the leadership team here at the church. Uh, I'm not on the payroll at the, uh, here at the church. Uh, this sermon is not, the objective is not about uh, giving and uh, uh, more money for the church. What the, the, the purpose of what the series is about, it's about finding peace and having a heart like God's heart uh, and, and generosity being a way that we live our lives. Uh, not about how much uh, financially uh, we're giving. We'll, we'll dive into it. I'll paint a picture for that, what I think that looks like. So I want to ask a question, another one. Um, why aren't we more generous? And I think there's a lot of different reasons, but what I thought about, there's a couple key ones that came to mind. Um, first, um, out of fear. So we're, we're giving um, our resources and our money away, and sometimes that may mean that we're afraid um, that we won't have enough for, um, to take care of ourselves or not enough to be happy for what we want. Um, all secondly, um, that can be um, out of judgment. So 
Um, it's easy to think sometimes that some things that happen to people um, are at um, uh, the results of, of some poor decisions that were made. And that may be true. Uh, it may not be true. Um, but it's easy for us to pass, uh, pass judgment and use that as a reason for us not to be generous. Uh, the third reason I thought of was um, it's just awkward um, to, uh, it, 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 it has a stress on relationship, maybe to bring up the topic of how can I help you? Uh, you're worried that am I overstepping my bounds? Are they gonna receive that as us judging them? Uh, well, maybe that's not the intent. Um, and it, it can be awkward sometimes um, to give. Uh, encountering situations maybe with someone that's homeless and in those interactions, you want, it, it's awkward to deal with and uh, there's, there's tendencies to want to avoid that. Uh, the last one, I think a very significant one when it comes to generosity is that we're really, really busy all the time. Uh, and there's not a lot of free space left over. I know when I'm really busy and I've got things to do and my kids come up to me at home, uh, I'm not really good about being generous uh, with my time. And if you wanted to spell time to uh, a five-year-old or an eight-year-old, which I have at home, uh, I'm sorry, did I say time? You might spell love, T-I-M-E, to a five or eight-year-old. Um, some other reasons, so let's, let's shift you for why we wouldn't be generous to maybe why we consider we should be generous. So it's really interesting. You look at research, and I read a blurb from a book called The Generos Generosity Habit, and it talked about all the benefits of being generous. So let me read a few of them to you. Uh, it improves your physical health. It improves your mood. Generous people actually live longer. Uh, it evokes uh, a spirit of gratitude and contentment in people. Enhances our awareness of meaning and purpose in life. Um, generous people uh, tend to have more friends, and the friends that they do have and the relationships they have tend to be better. They're more happy. It transforms how you feel about yourself. Um, higher self-esteem, higher life satisfaction, better mental health, lower blood pressure, decreased stress, and the list keeps going on and on. And those are all good things things. Nothing wrong with those things. Is that why we should be generous? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think that's flirting with something called the health and wealth gospel. We don't give things because we think God is going to bless us. Um, that uh, the world doesn't work that way. There's this book in the Bible called Job, uh, and the core premise of that book <laughs> is that uh, uh, the righteousness, the righteous people will sometimes face affliction and uh, wicked people uh, will sometimes uh, receive uh, uh, blessing and, uh, uh, and, and, and good things in life. And those aren't necessarily attached to each other. Um, so so should, should receiving blessings be part of what motivates us for for, to be generous? No, not necessarily. But when I look at that list of things I, I talked about, I think God very much uh, loves for us to be happy, uh, loves for us to have great relationships, right? Those are blessings that he would like to see in our lives. He doesn't necessarily promise that we'll have them all the time. So again, why, why should we be generous? Um, does God, let me ask another question. Does God need our, our money or time or talent or other resources to accomplish um, his, his vision and mission? Well, no, I don't think so necessarily. I think God is going to accomplish his overall mission and spread his word and, and his truth and bring about his kingdom in the world. Uh, whether or not I 
uh, am generous in a certain situation. Um, but I do think God certainly uses those things, and I think he's up to something, not for his purposes, but for our benefit. I think God wants our heart to be like his heart. You think about what God's kingdom is and what he's really trying to accomplish. He's trying to uh, build a kingdom of hearts. That is God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom of hearts. And he's changing and wants to change our hearts to be more like his and to be more generous. Um, God isn't always necessarily first worried about uh, our health and well-being uh, in terms of those things like that I listed, uh, our wealth and, and our happiness. Um, God is concerned about our spiritual growth. And part of, part of our road to being more generous and this road to peace is our spiritual growth that, that God wants us to go on. He wants us to partner with him to do his ministry uh, and for that ministry and that generosity to be uh, an expression of love in our walk with him. So I want to share some examples of generosity uh, and what, I, what, what they look like. So I want to share one from the, from the New Testament, from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So this is Paul talking um, to one of the church that he's, that he, churches that he uh, ministered to in Macedonia. He's talking to the church in Corinth about them. Uh, and Paul collected uh, money for the Jewish believers uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, it talks about this church in Macedonia and how even though they were going through tests of affliction, um, they still gave. So this is what it says in verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and even beyond their means. So the first, the first observation of this passage I want to point out is um, if you wanted to quantify um, our— if you wanted to try to, yeah, try to quantify— um, giving, um, it wouldn't be based upon the size of what you give or the amount of time you give. It would be based on the economics of God's giving would be based on the sacrifice involved. Um, God wants us to give sacrificially uh, and take away from, from our own benefits and bless others uh, with them. Um, continuing on at the second part of verse 3, it says, of their own accord that they did this. Um, so it was willingness. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. It's that uh, um, they gave it out of the willingness of their heart, not they were forced to. Uh, and then continuing verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So this last part, um, giving themselves first to the Lord and why they gave, it was, it was an expression of their relationship with God. It was tied in relationship with Jesus, understanding and knowing the generosity um, and the peace that came from God, and that becoming an expression of how they lived their lives. Um, and now we'll turn to the next example, looking at Jesus' life himself. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uh, look at a specific passage. I'm going to refer to kind of some, some common uh, uh, stories of Jesus that, that uh, you may be aware of. So uh, it's interesting when Jesus made the call to the disciples to come, to come follow me uh, and uh, uh, follow in his footsteps. 
Um, there wasn't a New Testament uh, passages to read. Uh, what he was asking is not what I think how we interpret, we read the Gospels and we look at the Gospels. I think we read the Gospels and we're looking for truth to apply. Uh, and it's certainly, uh, <laughs> certainly that is, uh, that is a discipline and, and, part, and part of our faith and, and how we grow in our faith uh, for those teachings. But when, when he said, come follow me, he was saying, come follow my lifestyle, live how I live. And when you read and look through the gospels, you think about the life of Jesus and how he lived. Uh, and, um, he was a very generous person with his time. Um, he had immense amounts of margin. He was always seeking to be away and alone, uh, with God. Uh, and, uh, he had, constant demands for his time uh, from people that were always seeking him uh, for the benefit of his healing, uh, for his teaching, the crowds and the multitudes uh, that followed him. Uh, and, and only, I think, because he sought so hard to find margin and time away and time to pray that he actually had enough space in his life to actually uh, perform so many acts of generosity uh, and uh, that patience and that spirit. He was, yes, he was fully God, he was fully man. Uh, I think he understood what it meant to develop a, a spirit of peace and of patience uh, and to have that margin to have um, uh, a, a lack of stress and to be able to give generously uh, with his time and to bless other people. Uh, and I, there's so many stories. We look at, at uh, him healing so many people uh, and how he was uh, uh, always, always just willing to um, to help and give and think about the people uh, that were living in the margins and outside of the center of society um, that were not seen, uh, were not blessed by default, uh, and his eyes were open to that, again, I think because of the margin that he lived with. Some other personal examples of generosity, and uh, one from a family that used to attend our church, they, they moved several years ago, so uh, they were in our life group. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, this family, this uh, uh, husband and wife. So uh, uh, they, they actually felt called um, to, uh, to bless uh, homeless people. And they were thinking about ways to do that in a responsible way. Uh, and they kept packs of, of, of goods in their car, uh, which in, often included uh, uh, jars of peanut butter and other uh, toothpaste and, and toothbrushes and, and those kind of things. And uh, um, they would, uh, if they saw somebody driving around uh, that was uh, asking for donations, um, they would they would give them uh, give them this uh, uh, peanut butter and uh, open roll up their window and strike up a conversation with them uh, and talk with them while they're waiting for the light to change. Uh, that was just an expression of generosity that they felt compelled uh, compelled to do. Uh, and then uh, I think about my friend I mentioned to you uh, earlier that spent so much time with me, uh, John and, and his wife, uh, they married. Actually, uh, when I drove on this recent road trip I went on, I actually stopped in Kansas City uh, and I got to see him. And it's interesting, something about generosity that I want to challenge you with. Um, being generous in big things um, isn't always easy and living a generous life is something I think it's much like going to the gym and working out. Um, you don't put uh, uh, three 45-pound plates on, on both sides of the bar on the first day uh, and expect, expect to lift that. Um, you have to build up to it. It's, it's building your, your generosity muscles. Uh, so I think of my friend uh, 
friend John and how he did things, the small things, uh, like the example I well, it wasn't even maybe that small, um, but, but later he turned out to actually be a, minister, uh, uh, a missionary, and he spent 20 years in Indonesia um, translating uh, uh, scripture in a language that hadn't been translated yet, and, and lived 20 years of his life dedicated to um, helping and benefiting others in the kingdom of God. And I think that was simply an expression out of being gracious and living out of gratitude in the small things, and it built up to something very large and significant. So I want to go back. We talked about why we aren't more generous. I mentioned fear, judgment, awkwardness, and busyness. I think there's a call in God's kingdom uh, and uh, uh, wisdom that he has um, where we can overcome those things. So I think instead of fear, um, God calls us to trust him, that he will provide for us, and that even in our absence of being provided for, that God has love and spiritual growth and our well-being in mind in that process, and that he's, where, uh, that he's there with us. As Richard said last week, Jesus is enough. For judgment, I think God uh, points us um, to grace. The reality is, is we have been forgiven of much, uh, and he calls us um, to forgive uh, and be gracious in, in the little things or with other people and to look beyond maybe what we may consider potential for uh, a mistake or a bad choice and to offer um, grace and forgiveness instead. For awkwardness, I think he calls us towards love and deeper relationships with those around us. Uh, I think about uh, um, homeless folks. Actually, my wife uh, has befriended a, uh, a homeless person that uh, um, frequents one of the intersections by our house and uh, rolls down a window and chats with him and talks with him. He's a very friendly individual. My kids know him by name. And uh, one day, uh, our family was out uh, sitting at a local restaurant near that intersection eating cheeseburgers. And uh, he walked in, that homeless individual walked into uh, uh, um, the restaurant and uh, we invite him to sit with us and we just talked with him. And when you think about what folks really want, um, it's di you know, dignity, respect, um, being, being loved, listened to. The most generous, generous thing maybe you can do for somebody sometimes is actually just listening to them uh, and building that relationship. You know, there's a future opportunity um, to be generous out of that relationship that's going to flow much more naturally. And I think that's the answer that, that God is calling us to uh, overcome that awkwardness is, is with, and to build confidence and trust in that relationship. It's just, just love and, and developing that friendship. And last was, was busyness. And I talked about the example of, of Jesus and how he lived with margin and space uh, and that God is calling us to um, the sacrifice might be things that we that we like to do. Uh, I think back to the pandemic and maybe one of the silver lines that season of life uh, earlier on was um, business just got uh, pulled away. There was no more soccer practices. There was no more commuting for a period of time, at least in my life. Uh, and there was so much more time. And uh, uh, it took some adjusting and getting used to. Uh, and I told myself I was going to be very careful about what I let back into my calendar as things got back to normal. And uh, here, here I am again very uh, very busy, and I miss I miss that margin. But just realizing what it meant to have space in the relationships I developed with my neighbors and other things that happened, and the opportunities of how we cared for each other as as neighbors uh, on our street uh, was uh, really amazing. And in that margin, uh, I've clearly seen um, how God can work um, to to allow us to be more generous.